Inside the Game, brought to you by Flex Coach and Flex Coach VR. So you you did scouting, you did coaching, and how did the broadcasting come up? <laughs> how did you wind up becoming a broadcaster? It, again, very good question. I was coaching St. Louis's one farm team down in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. The and I got a call from the late Ted Blackman, who's an iconic broadcaster, was an iconic broadcaster in Canada. He passed away probably around five years after he had hired me. Um, he called me up and he said, listen, the Montreal Canadiens are looking to change their radio broadcasts. And the ratings haven't been particularly good on the English side. We're wondering if you'd be interested in, you know, coming up and trying to audition for the job. And I said, yeah, I'd be interested thinking I'd only go out for one year and then I go back to coaching, you know, just do something different and work for the Montreal Canadiens. So I went up, I auditioned, and at the end of the audition, they offered me the job. And Ted told me, he says, I can't pay a ton, but he says, I promise you within three years, if you're as good as what your audition was, you're going to be on national TV in Canada. He was right. Um, it was two and a half years, but yeah, I was. So I was really grateful. That's how it started. The difference between preparing as a coach and preparing as a broadcaster, you seem to bring a different style, a different light, more in depth. Is that because of your coaching background, bringing it to the broadcasting side? I think it's the coaching and the scouting and the leadership that, and the st stuff that I learned from Scotty Bowman, to be totally honest. Uh, I told you once before, prior preparation prevents potential problems. That's how Scotty basically managed his teams and, um, that's basically how I try to manage myself before I go into any broadcast. So every broadcast that I tried to do over about 2000 now in the yes. national hockey league, um, it's like preparing for a game seven of a playoff series. That's how I try to do every game. Your research and your reach is very in depth and it, it, you seem to always, as you said, be prepared for anything. Um, when you study a team and you look at a team, do you look at the whole team or do you kick out, you know, pick on certain players or figure out and say, this is what I have to look at in this game. This guy's playing well, this guy isn't playing well, but you're going to kind of blend it all together. So I did a game the other night with Johnny Forslund, the Islanders versus Boston. And it speaks to your question very well. Taylor Hall goes from Buffalo where he's doing nothing to all of a sudden playing in Boston. So why has he changed? What's happened? So you've developed tape to show, okay, he's driving wide with speed. He's utilizing his strength. He's shooting the puck with more precision. So you illustrate that through tape. Then you build on who's the center iceman. It's David Krejci. Well, David Krejci was having a miserable year in Boston until Taylor Hall arrived. And so you build, you show the bad David Krejci at the beginning of the year, and then you show the good David Krejci after Taylor Hall arrives. And so you can bring it together and show the fans, this is why this guy's doing well here now. This is why this guy wasn't doing well before. And now it's turned the corner and it's playing well. So, yeah, you look at a lot of different things, but you try to I usually try to establish five storylines before I go into any game. Do you study constantly? Are you constantly looking at stuff, checking, you know, information, looking at things all day long? And let's say you do, let's say you're doing a game tonight. Yep. And do you start studying early in the morning? Do you start making phone calls to coaches and play in, in this COVID era? It's very tough to physically go face to face like we have in the past. But do you call guys, talk to them? How's it going? What's going on? Do you try and like, you know, get in depth almost like a coach before you arrive? 100%. Absolutely. 
So I'll give you an example. Right now, we're just getting ready for the playoffs, um, and I'm going to be doing a game either in Colorado or Minnesota on Sunday. So what I'll do after I'm done with you is uh, I'll do a bunch more newspaper interviews uh, for different writers around North America, and then I'll start breaking down tape. I want to watch Colorado's power play uh, and the way Nathan McKinnon influences that power play, so we'll have tape built on that. I'm going to want to watch how Sammy Gerard influences the way they come out of their own zone in Colorado. I'm going to want to show what uh, Kirill Kaprizov does for Minnesota, especially below the hash marks in his own zone and in the offensive zone. And I'm going to want to show, especially Jonas Brodeen, who might be the most improved defenseman in the National Hockey League this year, what he's doing to be so improved. And, and finally, I'm going to want to have tape on you know, uh, Erickson Eck because he's, I think he's the most improved player in the National Hockey League this year, uh, Joel Erickson Eck for the Minnesota Wild. So I'll have tape on what he did last year and what he's done this year. And so he can show why he's improved so much. Now, do you talk to the producer about this? Hey, I need tape on this, or I need, I need to look at this. Can you send me this? Or with the internet out there, are you able to pull a lot of information up? On oh, the guys? Yeah, on the internet, I can pull a lot of stuff. So I don't need to, the producer to do that. What I need the producer to do is understand kind of the direction we want to go. And so my producer for this game this weekend is Kevin Brown. We've already been in touch three or four times uh, in the last day and a half or so. And he's a phenomenal young talent. He's a kid that lives in Hoboken, New Jersey. And phenomenal hockey talent uh, in terms of running a truck. So his future is amazingly bright. Um, but yeah, no, that's, you basically are in constant communication. It's a communication business. If you're not communicating with the people you work with, you're not going to have a very good show. All right, let's transition now to youth sports. Cause we do talk about that here on inside the game. Cause we are with flex coach. Do you think today kids are overcoached in sports overall? Yes. Yeah. And we're specializing young athletes too soon. I think everybody should be playing multiple sports. It's really hard in hockey. And I've got a son who's, you know, a very good player. He's going to be a scholarship athlete at Colgate University next fall or in September. So I know a little bit about it, a little, a lot about it actually. And what broke my heart is when he went to prep school up in Boston, he was a young guy. Um, he couldn't play football, you know, because hockey just ate too much up and he was a real good football player when we moved from Canada down to Connecticut. And uh, so that kind of broke my heart, but I see how, how much he loves hockey. And so it's been good for him, but I wish that he could have played other sports. And I've got a daughter that's at Dartmouth and she's a rower and she's an elite rower. She won the national championship and also the head of the Charles in the San Diego class. Like she's a very accomplished oarswoman. And uh, that's all she's ever done uh, because she can't do other sports. So it, that kind of breaks my heart a little bit. Now, your son, let's let's touch on Ryan for a few minutes. As he's coming up and developing, were you coaching him at all? Or were you just letting yeah. him, or were you just like, you know, letting other guys work with him and just being a dad? Or did you step in and say, hey, you know, you should be trying this, Ryan? Or did he come to you for advice because he knows your background and he knows, you know, what you've accomplished? He's a hockey maniac. He comes and asks me questions all the time about different players, about face-off philosophy, um, in zone coverage. So I don't really have to push him on that. Uh, in the summer, we train together um, on the ice and off the ice. And so that's been a little bit different. And he's done phenomenal work with that. But uh, the only time I ever coached him in games was in spring or summer tournaments, um, you know, just because the team asked me to be there. So I would yeah. go. Uh, but I always let other people coach him, uh, whether it was at Belmont Hill, this prep school he went to in Boston, or now playing in Penticton in the British Columbia Junior League. 
uh, other people have coached him in, in games. Why was Belmont Hill the right choice for him in prep school and just overall? What, because what, of the, wasn't about- the legacy and tradition of the school, uh, the fact that it was a boarding school um, in Boston. He wanted to be in Boston because he'd played so many tournaments there and saw the caliber of play, and he wanted to be in that level of play. Um, the coaching, uh, and especially Kenny Martin, who's a living legend, 707 victories as a prep school coach. That's unbelievable. Uh, but players that had played there over time, whether it's uh, Todd Copeland or, or the Biotti brothers or the Fosco brothers or Dave Brown, I can go down the line, you know, Matt Grizzlick, who plays for the Bruins now, Jimmy VC, who plays for the Vancouver Canucks. These are all Belmont Hill guys. So my son wanted to be part of that legacy. Why was it important for him to go and play out in, in Western Canada for a year before college? What was that going to do for his development? It's been unbelievable, Chris. First of all, it's so hard. He's been away for a year now. I haven't seen my son face-to-face in a year. or I've watched all the games on TV, which is amazing. Um, and I'm really grateful to Stu Siegel, the owner of uh, Hockey TV. Hockey TV is an amazing I know. It's, 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 it's an amazing invention. So that's been good. Um, the fact that Ryan's playing in Penticton, which is the Cadillac of all junior franchises, um, is phenomenal. We were so grateful for the way they recruited him the way they've treated him there, the billet family that he's lived with, uh, the education he's gotten at Penticton High School. He left Belmont Hill a year early. He left in his junior year to go out there. So uh, we're really grateful for everything that's gone on there. And Freddie Harbinson and Patty Sexton, the coaches up in Penticton are phenomenal. They, they should be, they could be pro coaches in a second. I mean, they're tremendous, tremendous hockey coaches. Why was that right for him and not the USHL? Well, he played in the USHL for Madison. Um, and he just felt that he needed to go to a faster league, not saying the USHL isn't fast because it is, but the BCHL is super fast. If you watch it, you'll be like, whoa, this is like NHL hockey because the pace is so great. Uh, there's not as much hitting in the BCHL. There's more skill development, I think. The USHL is a rugged, robust, tough league. It's more like um, major junior hockey. Um, more like college hockey. So yeah, no, it's, they're both good. They're both really good. Madison was struggling at the time. And uh, so I think Ryan decided after spending some time there, it was probably better for him to go out to Penticton. Now going through the college process, what were you and your wife looking for in a school for him? You know, from a, from well, a standpoint of academics, student life and sports. Yeah. I mean, cause I, you know, we had Billy Guerin on and Billy always talked about if you go to college your first day, and you get injured in the first day of camp and you can't play anymore, do you fit in at the school? That's something well, you should look at. Billy's smart. I can tell you this. I tried to recruit <laughs> Billy Guerin a long time ago when he played for the Springfield Olympics. He and Scotty Lachance were teammates. Yep. And uh, we brought both of them up to St. Lawrence, and we were this close to getting it. But Lachance went to BU and Guerin went, went to BC. BC. So, yeah. Yeah, so they broke my heart. <laughs> but uh, we, I, I remember fondly recruiting both of them. They were outstanding. And they had a third member of that team, Bobby Kellogg. Yeah, he went to college at me as well. He was a Chicago Blackhawks draft pick, but he went to Northeastern. So the boss, he went to school with, he, he went to school with me, Bobby oh, Kellogg went to school. There with you me. go. So I know, so I know Bobby very well. Yeah. Um, so no, but Billy's right on. Um, well, when Ryan went through the process, he was recruited by a lot of schools. Um, and so we looked at academics first and foremost. Then we looked at the coaches and whether they were in good positions or not. And we looked at the tradition of the program and, and whether he wanted to be part of that or not. So, but the first thing we always looked at was the academic side of it for him. Same with our daughter, by the way, she, 
she had scholarship offers in a lot of different places and she went to an Ivy League school and she chose Dartmouth because of the academics and the athletics, but the academics were first. Did you, when you were going through that process and, and you're going and you're looking at all these different things, was it kind of overwhelming to your kids with all the recruitment and all the different pitches that you heard? Um, your kids like, oh my God, I don't know if I should go here, if I should go there. I mean, did you guys kind of do an analysis of everything and say, this is what I think you should look for. This is what I think you should, you know, look, take a look at very you know, care, carefully. Look at this, look at what you want to do. You know, we had Mike Sullivan on and Mike had a great, great way of looking at things. He said, the question one parent should ask is, your school for the next four years, how is it going to prepare my child for the next 40 years of their life when they graduate from here? Well, that's what we always propose to Justine, our daughter, and to Ryan, um, is what you're going to try to study and how's it going to influence the rest of your life. Um, so that's basically what we talked about. So Mike spot on with what his advice was to his children, for sure. Now, what made Colgate the right fit for your son? What was um, it about like after all the noise, after everybody comes and like, you know, yeah. here he is, you know, we want to want to offer you this, offer you that. What was the right fit for Colgate for him? The academic part, first of all, he loved his recruiting visit there. Um, the student advisors were tremendous. The head coach, Donnie Vaughn's a friend of mine. Uh, he's a St. Lawrence guy. And I worked with Donnie at St. Lawrence. I'm seeing that, I'm seeing that, that St. Lawrence uh, thing there. So, um, <laughs> and then I'll be honest, Brett Riley, who's now the head coach at Long Island University, Brett really recruited him amazingly well along with Dana Borges, but Brett did an amazing job on him in terms of the recruitment. I stayed right out of it. I just watched it from afar, but having recruited a lot uh, at a high level, I was really impressed by how thorough the recruitment process was at Colgate. But I think the number one thing for my son was the academics were something he was looking at that he liked a lot. Um, the atmosphere around the school was tremendous and he loved the brand new rink, um, the class of 65 <laughs> rink. It's a spectacular, I don't know if you've seen it, but the Colgate yeah. Arena is spectacular. It's, I, it's amazing. My, an old coach I coached with is now the head coach up at Hamilton College, Rob Haberbush. We coached at Dwight Englewood, and he told me it's, yeah, it's it's, it's unbelievable. When you yeah, see it. it's really amazing for to be an on-campus facility. You, you walk in there, you're like, this is a college? Yeah. In Hamilton, New York? Like, I know, it's like, me? it's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, what skills, let's go back to youth hockey for a minute. What skills should be kids learning as they come up? What are crucial skills they need for success in hockey? Skating, number one. Um, and then puck possession, number two. Shooting, you can practice away from the rink. You really don't need it. You can practice it in your driveway, in your basement. But you need to skate um, and you need to handle the puck on the ice. And you need to dominate the puck. And if you ever watch any of the practices I run, very seldom do you see me having players skate without the puck. Um, you know, and I learned that from when I was playing pro over in Europe. Um, I had a Czech a coach and everything was about puck possession. If you didn't own the puck, you didn't play. So it was a big part of it. And then obviously refining your passing skills. But I think the number one thing, if you're not teaching kids how to skate properly, then you're going to have a problem as a player. What should parents look for in a sports program for their kids? Coaches that are really aware of, of how to make players better and communicate those ideologies very simply, not in complex manners. Um, and a coach that makes a game fun. If you have a guy that's just about winning and losing, it's not going to be very fun for the, for the young person, what's a male or female uh, player. So I think the number one thing is to get with a program where the coaching is really good and it's a fun atmosphere to be in. 
High school athletes, you know, today everyone's playing all these travel organizations. They're not, you know, they're not sticking around for high school sports, but there are kids who just want to play for the high school team or whatnot. What should a kid expect to get out of a high school experience today? Oh, man, that's a great question, too, Chris. Uh, I hope that every kid could have the same kind of experience I had at Burton Catholic, which was every day I went to school, I was happy. It was fun to go to practice. It was great to play in the games. It was awesome to go to the parties afterwards and see all your teammates. Every day, I was at Burton Catholic for two years. I never had a bad day there. I'm telling you. Like, I loved it because the atmosphere was created by the brothers and by the teachers and by the coaches to make you better. Every day, it was about making you better. And, and I think if I look at all the guys I played with, especially from those two great football teams in, in 78 and 79, the thing that really stood out to me was every single guy from those two teams has gone on to be unbelievably successful. Every guy. And I think a lot of it's because of the life lessons we learned from our coaches and from our teachers and from the, the brothers uh, and the priests that were working there at the time. What should a parent expect when their kid goes to a division one, two or three school for sports? I mean, you yeah. know, it's, it's different at every level. You know what I mean? It's different at yeah. division three as opposed to division one, but you know, you're entrusting, you know, a coach and administration with your child's development. You're not going to be there every day. Now you're going to be, you know, at home and you're going to talk to your son or your daughter only a couple of times a week, but what do you hope or what do you expect to get out of a program for that. Well, it's, it's definitely intense. I'll tell you that um, because the coaches are coaching for their livelihoods now. So there's more focus on winning and losing for sure. Um, the best coaches still want to develop players because they want them to go to the next level after college if they can. And so that's part of it. But I, I think the number one thing is if you have the opportunity to play college sports is to get to a university where the academics don't take a backseat to the athletics because very, very few people are going to be paying or playing for a paycheck. I think it's really important to understand that when you go in um, that you're going to need your academics when it's all said and done. And so that's, I, I always, that's what we've done with our children. So I'm not going to change the message. Now uh, we put academics before athletics. Okay, I'm going to wrap this up and I want to know what's the best piece of advice that was ever given to you, you still use today, and who gave it to you? Uh, probably Coach Karsich at uh, Bergen Catholic. Just be the hardest working guy every day. It wasn't very complicated, but uh, <laughs> I've tried to do that every single day, um, whether it's in the gym, whether it's at the golf course, whether it's at the <laughs> hockey rink, whether it's in my uh, office getting ready for games. Uh, I've always tried to work as hard as, hard as I possibly could, and you know, my days usually start at 530 in the morning and usually end around 1230 at night. So that's kind of like what my day is like. Um, and I try to be the hardest worker all the time. What does failure teach you about life? Uh, how to bounce back and battle. Uh, when you fail at something, you can either bury your head in the sand and say, OK, you know what, it's somebody else's fault. But if you really do a deep dive and this is where a lot of coaches are so smart in the NHL. When they get fired, and I did this too, you got to have this conversation with yourself and you got to look in the mirror and you got to say, what did I do well? What didn't I do well? And what do I need to do better uh, when I get my next opportunity? So failure teaches you to, to do a lot of self-evaluating. And if you do it properly and you're very realistic with yourself, you can make yourself better in a hurry. 
Well, I want to thank you for your time. I know you're a busy guy. You got the playoffs coming up, but uh, I appreciate your insights and uh, look forward to talking with you soon. Chris, anytime for you. Thank you so much for having me on. I really enjoyed this. Inside the Game, brought to you by Flex Coach and Flex Coach VR.